Well, Merry Christmas, New Hope Community Church, just five days away from Christmas. Um, I just love being able to see all of our different families during this month of Advent and I hope that you have enjoyed seeing and hearing the different testimonies of the different families that have been featured uh, during Advent. Uh, even though we don't get to see each other every week, just know that we're all still united and we're still out there. And um, you can even just throw up some hearts right now if you love Love seeing the Lucriello family and um, yeah to show them your love um, but I think as we are coming to the end of the year as we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas as we're ending 2020 I think I think back at 2019 in the same spot exactly a year ago you know we had all this hope and expectation in the new year in the new decade 2020 was a year of clearer vision and a year of breakthrough um, and i think that 2020 was nothing like we could have expected but it kind of reminds me of that very first christmas that the first christmas jesus coming as a baby was nothing what the people of Israel were expecting. They weren't even looking out for it. They weren't even, that wasn't even on their radar and yet God was on the move. And I say all of that to say, although this year may be a year of unexpected surprise, unexpected loss, unexpected grief, unexpected turns and maybe changes and shifts, God is in the middle of it and God is moving and shifting and positioning you and your family for his kingdom and for his glory. So be encouraged that God is in the middle of the unexpected. Amen. Um, and do not miss out. See, when Jesus came the first time, a lot of people missed out on it. Do not miss out on what God has for you just because it's unexpected. Remember, the Word of God says that His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Um, that He is higher and above. That it's even better. What He has planned is even better than what you and I could have even imagined. So don't miss what the Lord has for you in this unexpected season. And so this morning, I am just so privileged and honored to be able to speak to you on the fourth week of Advent as we talk about God's love. Um, and I think about um, the word love and maybe how we've watered it down. Um, love is really something that we use so casually in our culture. You know, like, um, oh, I love, I just love coffee. I need it. Like, I have it every day. I love it. I love I love going on hikes. I love going to the park. I love playing with my kids. Ooh, I love that movie Home Alone. Do you guys like that movie? I love when he goes, ah! You know, we just use the word love so carelessly um, and really kind of lightly. And I think we kind of use it like the word like. Like, I really like the movie um, Home Alone. I love uh, mint chocolate M&Ms or mint chocolate hot chocolate, anything minty and chocolatey. We get to have that around Christmas time. But we have definitely, as a culture, watered that word 
down. And not only that, um, but even if we think about the real meaning of love, maybe a romantic love, or maybe a love that we have, like a parent has for their child. And we think in human form of the most like meaningful, loving relationship. Think, you go ahead, think about the most loving, meaningful relationship that you have. And even that is flawed with our human brokenness. Um, we hurt, you know, hurt people, hurt people, whether we hurt our loved ones unintentionally and how ashamed and embarrassed we are to say that we even hurt our loved ones intentionally, that our human love in its purest form is still flawed. But I have some really good news for you today that God, God's love is not like our love. God's love is pure, it is holy, it is different, it is amazing. And God, the Bible says in um, 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how the Christmas story shows us the love of God. And it comes through. We just heard uh, Danny read the scripture, John 3, 16. It comes through that passage of scripture. And when we think about that scripture, we probably all know it. It was probably one of the first scriptures that we learned as new believers. And if we've been walking with Jesus since we were little kids, it was one of the first ones we learned in Sunday school. We all know it. If you, you know, watch any major, you know, uh, ball game, any professional ball game, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, you always see that one person, you know, with John 316 written on his chest and the crazy hair. Um, but John 316 is um, the most popular scripture um, in all of scripture. It is the most popular verse in all of scripture. We see um, there was a professor, Professor um, Murray Harris. He's a professor at Trinity Evangelical uh, Seminary. He says he 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 says that it is the most popular sentence in all of literature. John three sixteen, and that's crazy to think about. That it is the most popular sentence in not just the Bible but in all of literature. Um, but it's funny though, as Christians, I think that um, we get used to that message. We can say it um, easily. We can, we have, we've all got it memorized. And I think that maybe we've even become calloused to the message of John 3.16. But in, in the Bible, in John chapter 3, John 3.16 happens um, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is not like um, a, a, Gentile, a Gentile, or he's not like a, just a common Jew. He is a teacher of teachers. He is an esteemed uh, rabbi. 
and he, he requests this secret meeting with Jesus. And in this secret meeting, Jesus has this dialogue with him. And he's, he tells Nicodemus this. And you guys, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to plug anything in here, um, but if you have not seen it and you've got some time, I know like, I mean, maybe you're in a Christmas break right now um, or approaching uh, Christmas break with your kids. Uh, watch The Chosen. You can download the app and it's free and you can cast it like onto your TV or whatever. But it's basically the life of Jesus. The first episode is like you just got to stick with it because they've got some backstory and it's just, you know, okay, it's laying the foundation. But I have to tell you that my favorite scene in the first season is this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus where Jesus says this beautiful verse and if you get a chance you guys um, watch watch it it's so good I promise um, you will be blessed well I hope you would be blessed if you if you watched it um, before I say the passage that we already know I want to um, say this I remember I was uh, teaching like a a college group and, and had some high schoolers and some college age kids. It was uh, back when we were in LA and we were pastoring and I think I had a group of girls and we were, you know, in somebody's living room and we were just kind of sharing like what the Lord had done in our week. And this new believer, uh, I would say maybe um, old, like older high schooler said, oh, I found this really cool verse. And so they opened their Bible. And so we're all just kind of, you know, there, was those, there was like eight of us in the room. So they op opened their Bible and they read. John, the, my favorite verse, my new verse that I found is this, John 3.16. And the student began to stumble through the words as as she read it out loud. And at first we were kind of like looking at each other like, are they joking? Like, do they not know this is like Christian code? We all know this verse. But, but by the end of her kind of stumbling through these words and reading it, and she was done, she said, I found that verse this week. And I just think it's so amazing that God loves me so much that he sent Jesus and Jesus changed my life. And like, I think you know, there was like this holy moment in this room um, as we kind of were kind of smirking at her. Like, is she, she being sarcastic? Is she joking? Um, to like, oh my gosh, this is precious and we have forgotten and forgive us, Lord. And it just brought us back to that first moment. And so with that being said, this morning I want to encourage you that God's love is precious that the words of John 3.16, that our eyes would be open, that we would have a fresh look and a fresh perspective of the love of God. And so you know it, if you know it, would you say it with me, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
So this morning, I'm just going to give you four realities. See, in Christmas, Christmas is a reality. I know it feels magical and we have all these fun stories and reindeers, but let me tell you something, that there is a reality to Christmas. And just like this verse, um, there is a reality to this verse. And here are the four realities that I see as we read this verse. And I'm just going to sprout them out and then we'll break it down a little bit. One, there is a God. Two, he has a son. Three, he loves. Four, he loves the world. And so we'll start with number one, that there is a God that Jesus starts out this statement, Jesus, Jesus says it, God so loved the world, that there is a God. If Jesus says it, he's the ultimate authority. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the living word. And um, if he says that there is a God, then we can trust that there is a God. And if you let that sink in, for a moment that there is a God that no matter what you are going through right now, no matter what your family is going through, no matter what financial obstacles, no matter what sickness, no matter what loss, no matter what grievance, no matter what broken relationship, that there is a God. And if Jesus said that, then we can trust it. Amen. Number two, that he has a son. That not only is that there is a God, but God has a son. And that son is Jesus. And I think that this is where other religions might look and ridicule. But let me tell you something, that this is foundational to our faith, to our Christian faith, that Christ was conceived of a virgin birth and that Christ is God, that Christ is the Son of God, that um, C.S. Lewis says it like this, that rabbits beget rabbits, turtles beget turtles, humans beget humans. That's understandable, right? Well, God begets God. And John writes this out for us very clearly. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about um, joy and hope is this, is that in the beginning was the word. And that's a capital word. That's Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And the word was God. And the word was with God, that he was God in the beginning. And then in John 1, 14, it says that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son of the father full of grace and truth so this christmas remember that god took on human flesh born a humble birth and because it's small it may seem insignificant it may seem unimportant, but believe me, God was there. God the Son was born, and it was the most, one of the most significant moments in history that history would never be the same because of the birth of Jesus.
And so in your life, maybe you see, maybe you feel like God is doing something small or you feel like, oh man, maybe this is, this doesn't seem important or maybe it seems insignificant or maybe even you feel those things or you feel overlooked. Guess what? This is how Jesus came to our earth. He came, he did not come to rich kings. He did not come to the elite. He did not come to the educated. He was born in a barn, in a manger. The son of God is very precious and he is perfect and he is love. So when we think about the son of God, we know that God's son, you think about your own child, if you have a child or a baby and how precious, how precious your children are to you, how much more precious the son of God, that Jesus is precious. The son of God is precious. Um, makes me think of uh, the parable in Matthew where Jesus says, it's a, the kingdom of God is like this, that a man finds a field, that there's a treasure in a field. Then he goes home and sells everything to buy this field because he knows the great treasure and he knows the great worth. And that is Jesus, that he is the great treasure. Um, number three, we see that God loves. 1 John 4, 8, as we said before, God is love. Um, and in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world. And I believe that that word so is not the amount. So it's not necessarily saying that God loved the world so much because he had a lot of love that he gave. But no, what that word so is saying is that God love the world in this way that he gave. It's the, the means that God loved the world, thus he gave his son. And we see that God demonstrates his love for us by giving, that God demonstrates his love for us by sending Jesus. And we can see in John 17, three, that Jesus says this of God, as he's getting ready to complete the mission on the cross, Jesus says these words, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Christ was sent by God. Remember this Christmas that the love that God gives you is the most precious treasure, that it is a costly love, that it is a powerful love, that it is a deep love, and that it is a painful love. Number four, God loves the world. God gives 
his son. That word world is not talking about like the globe or the world as we may think of it. God is using that, um, John is using that word as sinners, the world, people who are not in God, people who are enemies of God, that God so loved the enemies of God, that God loved his enemies so much that he sent his son. And this is the good news and this is the gospel that on that night where the angels proclaimed I have good news of great joy to all people that today a savior has been born this is the gospel that God gives his son to us to those who don't deserve it and I think as I'm writing this message and I'm thinking like, why, why are we so entitled? Like, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I know that I can easily slip into that frame of thinking like, I deserve, I deserve a nap because I have worked so hard. Okay. Um, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like we get that entitled feeling. And I think that sometimes we can even like entitle ourselves into sin, um, here's a really, you know, lame example, like, man, I've been doing so well, like I'm entitled to some ice cream, like five scoops of ice cream. Okay. Um, we can, we can even go a little bit deeper. Okay. Like, well, you know, I've been like doing pretty good. I don't think it matters if I just, you know, um, that we feel so entitled or what about the entitlement that we, we give to others. Um, I remember I was, in, we were in a hard living situation. We we're living with the rats and um, it was a tough season, but I can't tell you how many times um, people would tell me like, oh, Renee, you deserve, you deserve a house with an awesome kitchen. You deserve, after all, look at all the work you do. Look what you're doing for God. Like you deserve this. And then part of me would take that in like, yeah, I do deserve. And then, and then as I'm thinking like that, okay, I'm like, no, like, like I deserve hell. Like that's what we deserve. And I don't mean to say like, I'm like, hey, Merry Christmas. This is your Christmas message. But if we're really thinking about it, we think about like how many times we fall short, how many times we mess up, how many times we say we're gonna do better or try harder or be good. And we, we foul it up. Like I deserve death. I deserve hell. I am a sinner. Why are we so entitled? Romans 5, um, 7 and 8 says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3 14 and 15, Jesus kind of goes into this dialogue about, um, he references Numbers 21, and that's where the people of Israel, they had been delivered from Egypt. And um, they're in the wilderness and they have, you know, nothing to eat. And so God sends manna, bread from heaven. God sends this manna. And, and the, the people of Israel are provided for. 
until until they're, they're just sick of it. And they come to, to Moses and they have complete disregard for God's salvation, for God's provision. And they're like, man, Moses, we wish we were back in Egypt. Why did God even deliver us? And we, we're sick of this manna. We don't want this manna. I can't, I can't stand it. I can't have another day of it. And, and we see that in Numbers 21 that God is, God, God is angry. The people that he loves and he's, he's chosen, he's rescued, he's delivered, he's provided for, um, that, that he sends a serpent. And, and the serpents um, sting the Israelites and the Israelites begin to die. And this is God's judgment on the people. And the people come to Moses and they say, we can't take this anymore. Like we're all being poisoned by these snakes and, and we need you to pray to God and, and have him stop. And so Moses, on behalf of the people, comes to God and says, God, you know, would you heal these people? Would you have mercy? And God tells Moses to, to make this cross and to make this uh, bronze serpent. And you would know it, it kind of, it's the symbol, like that medical symbol that we use today. And, and, and God tells Moses, all you need to do is raise up the pole, raise up the standard, raise up the serpent. And all the people need to do is look upon it and they will be saved. And Jesus in this passage, um, as he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, all the people need to do, the, the son of man will be raised up and all the people need to do is look to me. And this morning, um, when it says that God loves the world, it means that God gave his son for rebellious sinners filled with poison, we're, that we're a perishing people and that the wrath of God was satisfied in Christ. I love that. I love that God is a just God. Like I, I'm like a big, like, this is right. That's wrong. You know? Um, and I love that God sees all that he knows all and that he is just and that vengeance is the Lord's. I love that when I'm not under that judgment. Um, I remember hearing a testimony from Nick Vujicic and he was saying that, I think, I, I believe that he said that they were in some kind of South American country. He said he doesn't know how, but you know, the Lord just kind of opened the doors and they ended up being inside of this, um, I want to say it was like a brothel. And they were, they were, uh, he was giving his message, he was telling his testimony and he said that they were um, in this room and they were praying over a lady and they were just praying for it. And he said, I don't, I didn't know who the lady was. I just assumed she was one of the girls that worked there and God was really delivering her and she was crying. And it was this really amazing moment. Well, later on he found out that that was like, not just a lady who worked there, but that was the leader, the ring leader of this entire human trafficking organization. Like she was the head honcho. And here she was receiving the salvation message, receiving the free gift of God and just crying and God is delivering her and she's believing in Jesus. And I'm hearing this story. I was in church and I heard this story and I mean like something in my spirit was like, what? Like, like, that those kinds of people are 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 the reason why there is a hell 
You know, like I, I had a hard time with, with God extending grace to someone like that, with God saving and loving someone like that. And then it was in that moment that I was like, oh my, oh my God, like I, I am that older prodigal son. Like who am I? Who am I to judge, to look, and to weigh the sin of man when I myself am filled? That I myself do not deserve this precious gift. I do not deserve it, but he gives it. And I believe that the prodigal son is a beautiful picture of what the love of God is like. And I love that. I don't know if you caught it, but I think it was the last time John spoke on it. It was like that this is the only instance in scripture where God runs because he's God. He does not run. But when it comes to his son, the lost sheep, the lost son, the lost world, for God so loved the world that he runs to he runs to the son who is unworthy, he is unholy, he is a failure, he messed up, he was rebellious, he wished for his father's death, and the Bible says that the father ran and embraced, that God so loved the world. And we see this in 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's kind of a big word, but all that means is that he sent his son, Jesus, to absorb the wrath of God. That there is a consequence and there is a penalty and there is a price to our sins. But instead of us absorbing that price, instead of us absorbing that punishment, instead of us absorbing that cost, that God sends his precious, valuable, perfect, sinless son to absorb that wrath, that God doesn't forget it, that he doesn't overlook it, that he doesn't excuse it, that God is just and the price is paid, but it's not paid by you. It is paid by Jesus Christ. And that when we look at ourselves this morning, we may look at ourselves and we might think, oh gosh, I'm so full of poison. I'm so full of sin. I, I mess up um, uh, every day. I fall short, but I can look to Jesus and be saved. And I think that the people in the day that Jesus was born, um, in the time where Jesus lived and walked, that people were oppressed, that they were looking for a conquering king. They were looking for a king like David or, or someone like Joshua that would just wipe out their enemies. They wanted someone who would wipe out Rome. Well, guess what? Rome rose and Rome fell, just like Egypt, just like Babylon, just like Assyria. Uh, kingdoms rise and fall, but Jesus did not come to conquer a worldly kingdom. Jesus came to conquer sin, the issue of sin and death 
death and the grave. This is why Jesus came. So in our human minds, we're like, I want freedom from these things. And God's like, my freedom from you for you is so much bigger. I am giving you the freedom from the bondage of sin that you no longer have to be enslaved or entangled or entrapped, that you can have freedom. And not only can you have freedom, but you will have everlasting life and that you would have life and life to the full because of nothing you did, nothing you did, but because of the work of Jesus. Amen. And so maybe this morning you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, man, I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I messed up. Maybe you think back, maybe, you know, I mentioned the prodigal son. I can I can only imagine, you know, the son just gets enough courage to just go back home. And as he's walking home and the closer he gets, he thinks, what am I doing? What am I doing? Maybe he slows his pace and then the father runs. And I would say this morning that we are all unworthy, that we can never earn our salvation, that we can never earn this gift. But Jesus, but Jesus absorbed the penalty so that instead of you looking at yourself and feeling self-absorbed and I messed up and feeling sorry for yourself that you can look to Jesus. You can look to Jesus who was raised up that all you need to do is look at the sun and be saved. What an awesome gift to give Jesus at Christmas time. And, and really, I would say give Jesus your life that this morning, if you are listening and you have never said like, God, I want, I want to receive your son in my life, that you can give Christ your life this Christmas. Um, Christ the Savior has been born. I'm going to pray with you. And if you have never received Christ, if you have never just, you know, where you're looking at your life and you're looking at your mess and just never looked to Christ the Savior, would you look to him this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to die in our place so that we can be called sons and daughters of God. And so this morning, if this is your prayer, if you want to receive Christ, would you say this prayer with me? Jesus, I am a sinner. And I thank you that you can forgive my sins. I pray that you wash and cleanse me and make me new that I would be born again, that I would come alive, that I would not live life in the shadows, but I would live life to the fullest. I look to you, Jesus, and I ask for you to save me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for taking my punishment. I pray that you would be the Lord of my life. 
And Lord, I pray that that would be true of everyone listening or that you would renew our commitment, renew our heart, renew our love. Let us not become calloused to the message of the gospel this Christmas. Christ the Savior has been born. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget, we will be having our Christmas Eve service at home. Don't forget to bring your candles and your family and gather in your homes as we celebrate Christmas Eve. It'll be 6 p.m. right here on the internet. We'll see you there. God bless and Merry Christmas.